You have goals. Reach them fast with IU Online's accelerated degree programs. Our six and eight week courses are taught 100% online and can fit any schedule. Advance your career with a bachelor's in informatics. It only takes 10 minutes to apply. Earn an Indiana University degree that's valued around the world. Get started today at IU Online. Anthony sat at the table by the entrance of a diner near his hotel. He crumpled up some crackers and sprinkled them across his tomato soup. It was red and delicious, the best tomato soup he'd had in years. Suddenly, he heard a ruckus from the back of the room. He watched as a portly man in a nice suit rapidly moved towards the exit, a pained expression on his face. Anthony recognized the man as Dr. Frank Stranges, a UFO expert and his employer. Dr. Stranges looked shocked when he saw his employee sitting in the diner. He said, with his voice cracking, Anthony, I'm so glad you're here. Anthony noticed a small stream of blood dripping out of Frank's nose. Worried, he asked, are you feeling okay? Dr. Stranges, almost gasping for air, croaked out, Anthony, I need you to get me to a hospital. I've been poisoned, and I think I'm about to die. Are we alone? Have we been alone? Will we be alone? Stories of alien visitation have been ingrained in human history. Alien life may not be confirmed, but our obsession with it can't be ignored. Welcome to Extraterrestrial on the ParCast Network. I'm Tim. And I'm Bill. Every Tuesday, we visit the marvelous and strange stories about our encounters with beings from another world. We're aware that some of these tales may seem completely unbelievable. Others may seem all too real, but these stories shed light on human nature, human beliefs, and human psychology. And each story has garnered hundreds, if not millions, of true believers. And for that reason, we think they're worth exploring. Today, we're finishing the story of Commander Valiant Thor, an alien from Venus who supposedly came to Earth in 1957 to heal all of humanity's woes. We'll also examine the life of the man who started it all, Dr. Frank E. Stranges, and take a closer look at the details of the story itself. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. And if you enjoyed today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really does help. We also now have merchandise. Head to parkcast.com slash merch for more information. In 1967, Dr. Frank E. Stranges wrote a book titled Stranger at the Pentagon. In this book, he claimed to have met an alien spaceship commander from Venus named Valiant Thor. Valiant Thor had come from Venus in 1957 to speak with President Dwight D. Eisenhower. Valiant proposed a plan to help humanity eliminate nuclear weapons, famine, and disease. However, after three long years of Val advising Eisenhower at the Pentagon, a shadow government forced Eisenhower to reject Valiant Thor's plan for the sake of their corporate interests. After the United States government failed to help the people, Val sought out a civilian envoy to bring his message to the general population. In 1960, 
he selected Dr. Frank E. Stranges, a well-known UFO investigator and minister dedicated to spreading the word of Jesus and proving the existence of extraterrestrial life. By the 1960s, Dr. Stranges had grown used to speaking at UFO conferences all across the nation. However, after receiving his divine directive from Valiant Thor, Dr. Stranges longed to spread the word of Valiant Thor all across the world. According to the second edition of Frank Strange's book, Stranger at the Pentagon, Frank soon got his chance to tour the world when he received an invite to speak on a European UFO conference tour. He flew to Mainz, Germany on November 3rd, 1967. Once he arrived, he met up with his interpreter, a tall, congenial man to whom Dr. Strange's, in his account, gave the pseudonym Anthony Lowe. Anthony helped Dr. Strange's check into his hotel and the two made plans for the rest of their travels through Europe. The next day, November 4th, Dr. Strange's received a phone call from a man claiming to be a reporter for a very large Italian news organization, the name of which Frank never divulged to the public. The man said he wished to interview Dr. Strange's about his latest book, Stranger at the Pentagon. Dr. Strange's was excited. He had been invited to Europe to present on his first book, Flying Saucerama, but the same conference had explicitly barred him from speaking about Stranger at the Pentagon. However, the conference had given him no stipulation against being interviewed about Stranger at the Pentagon. He arranged a meeting with this reporter at a diner the next day, but in his excitement, forgot to tell his interpreter about the meeting because the Italians had been fluent in English on the phone. According to the second edition of Frank Strange's book, Stranger at the Pentagon, Dr. Strange's went alone to the diner on November 5th, 1967. He sat down in a booth and ordered a bowl of tomato soup to eat while he waited. Dr. Strange's blew on the soup to cool it down. It tasted good, if a little on the bland side. After a brief five-minute wait, two men entered the diner. They were well-dressed, wearing sleek black suits with stylish black hats. One carried a writing pad and the other carried a camera. In his head, Dr. Strangest nicknamed them the writer and the photographer. Dr. Strangest made eye contact with the writer. He nodded as the writer approached. The photographer nodded as well. Dr. Strangest shook the two men's hands. They smiled as they introduced themselves, happy to make the doctor's acquaintance. The trio sat down in the booth and began the interview. They asked question after question about Dr. Strangest's book. They wanted to know everything they could about Valiant Thor and his mission, sure that their paper's readers would love to hear about the Venusian commander. Dr. Stranges was happy to tell these men everything he knew. He had to spread the word of Commander Thor, and these were the first members of the press who expressed genuine interest in what he had to say. In the process of the interview, the writer asked Dr. Stranges a very specific question. Where is Valiant Thor now? Dr. Stranges answered, I don't actually know. He's somewhere in the solar system executing his mission. But Valiant Thor doesn't tell me where he's at every moment of the day. The writer nodded and smiled, and the interview continued, delving deeper into Valiant Thor's goals and wisdom. Then the photographer spoke up and asked Dr. Stranges again, where is Valiant Thor now? Dr. Stranges found this a little odd. He had just told these men he didn't know where the commander was. He took another sip from his tomato soup, then answered again, repeating himself. The photographer nodded, but also rolled his eyes. 
his previously jovial tone turned stern and demanding. But you do know where he is. You do, don't you? Dr. Stranges was perplexed. He found this line of questioning a little odd, and their demeanor had turned a little threatening. Dr. Stranges repeated himself a third time. He did not know Valiant Thor's location, and he found these men's persistence a tad insulting. The photographer threw up his hands. Fine, he said. You don't know where he is. But we know where you are. You're right here. And while you're here, we may as well get our photos for the paper. Dr. Stranges agreed, happy to bring the conversation to a close. He stood up from the booth and followed the photographer to a blank wall in the corner of the room. As Dr. Stranges smiled for the camera, he noticed the writer had stayed seated in the booth. He saw the writer staring at the table. Dr. Stranges thought it was odd for a moment, then realized the man was likely just checking his notes. Just then, the phone rang. A waiter with a heavy German accent approached Dr. Stranges and informed him that the restaurant had received a long-distance call from Finland for him. Surprised, Dr. Stranges followed the waiter to another room where he answered the phone. The call was from a reverend in Helsinki. The reverend was sponsoring Dr. Strange's talk in Finland and was calling to see what time Dr. Strange's was due to arrive in his hometown. How the reverend knew Dr. Strange's was in that specific diner at that specific time is unclear, but he found Dr. Strange's nonetheless. After a cordial conversation with the reverend, Dr. Strange's hung up the phone and returned to the dining room, only to find that the reporters were no longer there. Perplexed, but somewhat happy to be rid of the rambunctious men, Dr. Strange sat back down in the booth to relax and finish his bowl of tomato soup. As he swallowed a single tablespoon of the soup, he felt a rough and gritty substance slide down his throat like sandpaper. His mouth and insides burned. Something was wrong with his soup. Dr. Strange's fights to survive after this. And now, back to the story. Dr. Frank E. Stranges made many claims in his book, Stranger at the Pentagon. He even claimed to have been poisoned through his tomato soup by two men who claimed to be reporters on November 5, 1967. His account in the book continues as such. A gritty substance had slid down Frank's throat, causing his mouth and insides to burn. Dr. Stranges quickly chugged a glass of water, but the water only made the pain worse. He rushed to find Anthony, his interpreter. Miraculously, Anthony, whom Dr. Stranges had forgotten to tell about the meeting, was sitting in a different booth at the same restaurant, finishing up his own bowl of tomato soup. At this point, Dr. Stranges knew that he had been deliberately poisoned. After all, Anthony had eaten all of his soup and his throat wasn't burning. Dr. Stranges quickly asked Anthony to take him to the nearest hospital. Anthony was confused at first, but after noticing Dr. Strange's pained expression, he jumped to his feet and guided Dr. Strange's out the door. Trusting his interpreter, Dr. Strange's followed Anthony down several streets. As he walked, Dr. Strange's felt a liquid trickling out of his nose. He touched his finger to the liquid and looked upon it on his finger. It was the deep scarlet red of blood. Dr. Strange's began to panic. He told Anthony to hurry, and Anthony picked up his pace to a light jog. Dr. Stranges followed Anthony into an alley, and they entered a tall building through a back door. 
They went up several flights of stairs and entered a hallway, only for Dr. Strange's to realize that Anthony had led him back to his hotel. Dr. Strange's yelled at his interpreter, Are you trying to kill me? Anthony yelled back, No, doctor, I'm trying to save you. You have to trust me. With that, Dr. Strange's followed Anthony back to his hotel room. He didn't know if he trusted Anthony, but as blood began to flow wildly from his nostrils, he didn't think he had any other choice. They entered the hotel room, and Anthony began searching frantically through his luggage. With an excited gasp, Anthony pulled a small vial of liquid out of his pack, handed it to Dr. Strange's, and insisted that Dr. Strange's drink it. Dr. Strange's asked Anthony what the liquid was. Anthony said he did not know. The interpreter had heard a voice in his head tell him to mix the substance out of various medical supplies only two days earlier, and he did not know its purpose until now. Hesitantly, Dr. Strange's drank the liquid, then immediately fell asleep. Dr. Strange's awoke several hours later. His throat felt whole and refreshed, and the nosebleed had stopped completely. The phone then began to ring. He picked up the phone, and a familiar voice spoke to him through the receiver. Commander Valiant Thor himself said, Dr. Frank Strange's, how many times have I cautioned you to be very careful with whom you meet? Frank was stunned. He listened as Commander Val explained that he had sent Anthony the telepathic message to make the antidote, knowing full well that the supposed journalists would attempt to poison and silence the great Dr. Strange's. It should be noted that in his book, Strange's didn't wonder why Val was calling him on a phone when Val had the power of telepathy, or why Val hadn't chosen to simply warn Dr. Strange's directly. He just continued to listen. Val went on to explain that the men in black of urban legends did, in fact, exist. These men in black sought to quash all speak of supernatural phenomena, and those very men in black had been the ones posing as journalists in an attempt to find Val and kill him as well. These men in black had hearts as dark as the clothes they wore, and it was them who kept Eisenhower and Nixon from implementing Val's plans on Earth. While ignoring the fact that more and more alien tropes continued to pop up in his story, Dr. Strange has thanked Val for saving his life. Val told Frank he had done it for the good of humanity, and he assured Dr. Strange's that they would meet again in the future. According to the second edition of Stranger at the Pentagon, years passed without incident as Dr. Strange's continued to preach the word of Valiant Thor. Finally, sometime in early 1970, three years after the publication of the first edition of Stranger at the Pentagon, Commander Valiant Thor teleported into the back seat of Dr. Strange's car while he was driving. Once Dr. Strange's got past his surprise, Commander Val thanked Dr. Strange's for standing by the truth. While Commander Val's message had not reached as many people as Val had hoped, Val convinced Dr. Strange's that they should publish even more books. These new volumes would focus on the teachings of the Venusians. Dr. Strangis was directed to drive to Lake Mead near Las Vegas, Nevada, where Val's spaceship, the Victor One, sat parked with a cloaking shield and force field to keep it concealed from prying eyes. Dr. Strangis wrote down his experiences on the Victor One in the second edition of Stranger at the Pentagon, but for the sake of time, 
we won't detail those stories here. Over the next few decades, Doctor Strange's claim to have co-written over a dozen books with Valiant Thor, including My Friend from Beyond the Earth, The Wisdom of Valiant Thor, Outwitting Tomorrow, Secrets for Living from the Great Pyramid, and Secret Bases of the Inner Earth. While most people rejected Frank's teachings about Valiant Thor, Frank and his Venusian commander did manage to gain a small but loyal following of real people. These followers became part of a group called the Inner Circle, a collection of a couple hundred of the godliest UFO believers who claimed to have gained exceptional spiritual insight from their openness to Commander Valiant Thor. These dedicated people received monthly newsletters from Frank Stranges that claimed to contain concentrated wisdom from Valiant Thor himself. This wisdom presented a worldview that was a blend of Pentecostal Christianity, New Age Universal Vibration philosophy, and extraterrestrial worship. Most people who subscribed to these ideas believed it helped them live a better life, and some of the exceptionally pure among them even claimed to have set foot on Valiant Thor's spaceship. Others have claimed to have communicated with Valiant Thor on several occasions. One such follower is a man named Craig Campabasso. According to his website, Craig Campabasso is a 59-year-old Emmy-nominated casting director, award-winning filmmaker, and acting coach. As an accomplished Hollywood insider, Craig Campabasso had much of what he wanted from life. However, after being deeply inspired by Dr. Strange's book, The Stranger at the Pentagon, Craig took it upon himself to write, direct, and produce a film adaptation of the story. He felt Commander Val's message needed to be spread further across the world, and that film was the perfect medium for such a task. Craig contacted Dr. Strangis about the idea in 2005, and Dr. Strangis enthusiastically agreed. Dr. Strangis even claimed to have passed Craig's script to Valiant Thor. Craig also later claimed that Valiant Thor was so moved by his work Val began telepathically communicating with him, giving him notes to help portray Val's experience at the Pentagon in as accurate a light as possible. Regrettably, producing a film takes time, and Dr. Frank E. Stranges would never see his work on the big screen. On November 17, 2008, 81-year-old Dr. Frank E. Stranges died from old age. According to Craig Campobasso, Valiant Thor mourned for his close friend, but he still had a mission to accomplish. Craig claimed that Val guided him to financing for his film, and in 2013, the 20-minute short film titled Stranger at the Pentagon was finally completed. The film later premiered at the Burbank International Film Festival on September 3, 2014, where it won the award for Best Sci-Fi Short Film. This was both a compliment and an insult to its creator, as Craig insisted the film was not science fiction. This film, brought to life by the direct teachings of Valiant Thor, is available today for viewing on Vimeo.com. It costs $5 to watch, but all proceeds gained from the short film will later be used to finance a full feature-length film. Craig has said that he and Valiant Thor hope to eventually use the guaranteed smash-hit film to leverage the creation of a TV series based on Valiant Thor's various adventures on Earth. While a full-length feature film has yet to be made, the short film has already had a profound effect on the breadth of the Valiant Thor story. 
Once the Stranger at the Pentagon short film was released in 2013, Laura Eisenhower, President Dwight D. Eisenhower's great-granddaughter, went public with her own testimony. Laura has publicly claimed that her family has spoken in private about President Eisenhower's interactions with extraterrestrials. For most of her life, Laura did not know the specifics about what aliens President Eisenhower had met with. Yet, after hearing the tale of Valiant Thor, Laura became confident that her great-grandfather had met with the space commander from the planet Venus. Laura has not personally spoken with Commander Thor, but her family lineage and her testimony add a little extra weight to the claims of Dr. Frankie Stranges and Craig Campobasso. For our telling, that's where Valiant Thor's story ends. But it's important to know that Dr. Frank E. Stranges told stories about Valiant Thor for more than 50 years. His teachings and anecdotes constantly grew and evolved over that time. Due to the ever-changing nature of these stories, we couldn't cover everything there is to know about Commander Valiant Thor. For our purposes, we presented what we felt were the highlights of the story, as well as all the important parts in between. Now that we've told the story, it's time to analyze it and see if any of its claims ring true. By the end of our analysis, we'll give our rating for this story's believability on a scale from 1 to 10. When we're talking about the validity of this story, there's a lot more we need to say. It's important to once again note that this entire story originated with a single person. Even the claims of Craig Campobasso and Laura Eisenhower are derived from Frank's work. Their legitimacy depends on Frank's legitimacy. Thus, the truth of the story hinges on the credibility of its primary witness, Dr. Frank E. Stranges. Much of the public information available about Dr. Frank Stranges' life is rather limited and provided by Frank himself or some of his loyal followers. Those sources praise his charismatic and caring nature, hailing him as a wise and virtuous man. They also claim he was a chaplain of a national police officer's organization and appointed judge for the Immigration and Naturalization Service associated with the FBI and a chief investigator for NICAP, the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena. These sources also tout Dr. Strange's credentials. He claimed to have doctorate degrees in psychology, theology, divinity, the humanities, and criminology. He claimed to have earned these degrees from, quote, colleges in the United States, doing further study at the Graduate Theological Seminary, Macau, Asia, Hong Kong, and at the Society of St. Luke the Physician, London, England, and from the National Institute of Criminology, Washington. Unfortunately, many of these claims are unverified or even outright false. Here are the facts of Dr. Frank E. Strangis and his life that we were able to verify from outside sources. Frank was born on October 6, 1927, in Brooklyn, New York, to Natale Antonio and Catherine Filardo Stranges. Natale and Catherine were Italians who had immigrated to New York shortly before Frank was born. Frank had four siblings, but not much is known about them. Frank told some stories about his parents having a sixth child who died in infancy, but as this story was incorporated into Frank's stories about Valiant Thor, we do not know if this was true. Frank's parents were deeply religious. However, unlike many Italian immigrants of the time, the Stranges did not subscribe to Roman Catholicism. In 
Instead, they attended Pentecostal services at an Assemblies of God church local to their area. His parents' deeply held religious beliefs rubbed off on Frank. Shortly after graduating from high school, Frank attended an Assemblies of God seminary at the North Central Bible Institute in Minneapolis, Minnesota, where he pursued a bachelor's degree in theology. The North Central Bible Institute changed its name to North Central University in 1998. We know that Frank attended this institution because his name and picture appear in a North Central Bible Institute yearbook. However, we do not know if he actually earned his bachelor's degree. While at college, Frank grew intrigued by tales about UFOs and extraterrestrials. He would tell stories about his classmates poking fun at his interest in spacemen. This is one of his claims that we can likely take at face value. If Frank graduated college, he likely graduated in 1950. It's unclear where Frank went after college, but we know he did not attend graduate school in Asia, London, or Washington, as he claimed. None of the institutions he claimed to have attended have him in their alumni registries, so his doctor title is completely falsified. Instead of furthering his education, he dove headfirst into ufology, extraterrestrial research, and science fiction pop culture. The next confirmed event in Frank's life came in 1959 when he self-published his first book, Flying Saucerama. After publishing this book, Frank began speaking at UFO conferences, claiming to be the president of the International Theological Seminary of California and president of the International Evangelism Crusades, which he described as a worldwide Christian denomination. No information about the International Evangelism Crusades is available online. If this denomination ever existed, it was likely created by Frank Stranges purely so he could claim the title of president. The same goes for the International Theological Seminary of California, although this name does lend itself to some confusion. There is an organization known as the International Theological Seminary of California that exists today. However, this organization was founded in 1982 by Dr. John Uiwan Kim, a Korean immigrant to the United States who actually earned his doctorate. Unlike the real International Theological Seminary, Frank Strange's International Theological Seminary did not instruct the next generation's spiritual leaders. Instead, Frank Strange's used his seminary to make a quick buck. For only $25, anybody could enroll in Frank's seminary. Shortly after enrolling, Frank would inform his students that they had graduated with high marks and earned their doctorate in divinity. Frank was running what's known as a diploma mill. This is not only foolish, it is highly illegal. But he wouldn't be caught for some time. Based on these actions alone, we know Frank Stranges was a con man, willing to lie for money. In the early 60s, as Frank spoke on the UFO conference circuit, he claimed to be a chief investigator for NICAP, the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena. NICAP was a nonprofit organization devoted to scientific research into UFO reportings and phenomena. At the time, NICAP was one of the single most influential organizations in the UFO research field, primarily due to their commitment to fact-based investigation. Frank did purchase a membership to NICAP and had been a member for several years. 
However, he had never been an investigator for the organization, and he had never met the director of the organization, even though he had claimed to be close personal friends with the director. Once NICAP heard about Frank's activities, they canceled his membership, returned his membership fees, and disavowed any claim to NICAP approval of Frank's UFO stories. In other words, even UFO researchers publicly declared that Frank Strangis was untrustworthy before Frank claimed to have met a Venusian named Valiant Thor. We'll finish discussing Frank's credibility after this. And now back to the story. Frank Strangis had falsified his doctorates and had been dismissed as unreliable by the most respected UFO research group in the nation. This deceptive behavior soon caught up with him. In 1963, Frank's diploma mill business drew the attention of the state of California. Frank was arrested and convicted for fraud. He spent a few months in prison and paid a large fine. Around that same time, the actual date is unclear, Frank was arrested, tried, and convicted a second time, this time for drug smuggling. Information about this trial is difficult to find, but Frank later claimed to have been an innocent victim in this case and claimed to have been pardoned for this event. Frank did not allow his arrest to slow him down. He continued to speak at UFO conferences across the nation, where his charismatic persona and entertaining speaking style would draw dozens of people, mostly those UFO believers called contactees, people who claim to have personally met with aliens themselves. Frank also drew in people who greatly desired to meet extraterrestrials as his book and speeches about flying saucerama heavily implied that meeting aliens was a common circumstance. Then, in 1964, he produced a documentary film titled Phenomena 7.7. Phenomena 7.7 was an investigative documentary focused on a UFO sighting that occurred in 1964 in Socorro, New Mexico. Its title was pulled from the Air Force's own UFO research, stating that of all UFO sightings reported to the Air Force, only 7.7% remain unknown or unidentified. Before the film's release, members of NICAP managed to watch and review the film, declaring it a very poor handling of an otherwise compelling UFO sighting. These members also noticed that in the credits, Frank had falsely printed that NICAP approved of the documentary's investigation. NICAP quickly informed the press of Frank Strange's facetious claims, and theater venues that had agreed to show Phenomena 7.7 began dropping it from their schedules. Frank's movie failed to make a widespread release, and original copies of the film can no longer be found. And yet, even after his movie was effectively killed by his fellow UFO researchers, Frank Stranges could not be stopped. He released Stranger at the Pentagon in 1967, and in July of that year, he founded NICUFO, the National Investigations Committee on Unidentified Flying Objects. The founding of this organization was yet another attempt by Frank Strangis to fabricate some credibility for himself. Somewhat surprisingly, it worked. In 1968, Frank was selected to host a new late-night NBC TV show titled Flying Saucers Here and Now. The show was ordered to film 39 half-hour episodes focused on pictures and testimonies about extraterrestrial encounters. As the host, Frank was the star. A one-hour pilot was filmed and aired on a small local station as a test airing. However, once the general UFO community heard the show would be starring Frank Stranges, 
they derided the show for including him. Skylook, an influential UFO newsletter that would later become the MUFON Journal, said, The inclusion of Frank Strangis proved the show was calculated to heap so much ridicule on the subject of UFOs that any mention of one will elicit a belly laugh. After the pilot was widely panned, the show was canceled, and Frank was left to his own devices once again. As we've already discussed, Frank remained a public figure and wrote close to a dozen books about Valiant Thor. There were a few more significant events in his life, including three marriages, two divorces, and an appearance on The Jerry Springer Show in 1993. But for the most part, he made his living off of Valiant Thor. These stories were his primary source of income from the publication of The Stranger at the Pentagon in 1967 until his death in 2008. So, in short, Frank Stranges was a proven liar with a great incentive to lie. We've already raised some questions about the story itself as we told it, but perhaps it's time to dive a little deeper into Valiant Thor. Let's start at the beginning. Valiant Thor was supposed to have stayed at the Pentagon for three full years working with the president himself. During this time, hundreds of people would have met him, seen him, and known that he was an alien. This event would have been widely documented, and even if this information would necessarily be kept secret, at least some of the corroborating details would have been released after the Freedom of Information Act. For instance, if a secret underground train between the Pentagon and the White House had been built in the 50s, we would have heard about it by the 2010s, 60 years later. So we have a story that should have some outside corroboration, but instead we only have the word of one Frank Stranges. Frank would likely counter with the statement that any would-be whistleblowers would be threatened by the government. However, this argument actually only hurts Frank Strange's case. Frank claimed on multiple occasions that a government agent had told him to keep quiet about Valiant Thor. However, instead of this story coming off as threatening, Frank would use it as an amusing anecdote to highlight his own cleverness. The agent commanded, don't say anything about what you've seen. And Frank would say, he didn't tell me not to write down what I've seen. So I wrote a book and they can't do anything about that. Thus, it goes to show if Frank can disobey a direct order from a government agent and still live to the ripe old age of 81, so could any of the actual government agents who worked with Valiant Thor. Frank might then point to the photographs taken of Valiant Thor at Howard Menger's get-together, supposedly taken in 1957 to prove Valiant Thor's existence. However, there are many reasons to doubt the veracity of those pictures. The most obvious reason we've already stated in the first episode. These pictures are simply evidence that some people sat somewhere at some time. The people in these photographs could be any unnamed people whose likenesses were taken advantage of. But there is also reason to believe that we know the name of at least one person in that photograph. The man Frank Stranges claimed was Valiant Thor could have simply been a young, thin Frank Stranges himself. An amateur investigator on YouTube whose channel is called Alien Society has done a lengthy investigation into Frank Stranges. This man is the one who found the North Central Bible Institute yearbook where Frank Stranges is pictured. 
Placing Frank Strange's yearbook picture side by side with each of the Valiant Thor photos shows a compelling resemblance between Frank Strange's and the so-called Valiant Thor. Most people would not have recognized the resemblance between the two because by the time Frank Strange's started speaking publicly, he had gained weight and his hair had started to turn gray. Of course, this doesn't prove that Valiant Thor is Frank Strange's, but the resemblance is uncanny. This would also explain why Howard Menger, the man who hosted the party, didn't claim a Venusian was at his party at all. Even if the photographed Valiant Thor is not Frank Strange's, there is other evidence to suggest he lied about the nature of these photos from the very beginning. The photos were said to have been taken in Howard Menger's backyard in April 1957. However, Alien Society also found that Howard Menger had sold that property to a new owner months before April of that year. The actual date these pictures would have been taken can be deduced through clues within the pictures themselves. On page 31 of Stranger at the Pentagon, Frank includes a close-up view of the papers in Valiant Thor's hands. In addition to a notepad, Valiant Thor holds a Sunday newspaper. The date cannot be clearly seen. However, 33-7 can be very clearly seen on the paper. These numbers on a Sunday paper are almost guaranteed to be in reference to the score of a football game, and one football game in particular. On November 18, 1956, the New York Giants played the Washington Redskins and lost 33-7. This was the only football game to have a 33-7 score the entire year of 1956, and there was not a single sporting event that had a 33-7 score in 1957 the year this get-together was alleged to happen. So the photos were most likely taken on the Sunday after that game in 1956, four months before Valiant Thor even arrived on Earth on March 16, 1957. Frank Stranges also claimed multiple times in different presentations throughout the years that the Venusians possessed six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot. Yet the photographs clearly depict people with five fingers on each hand. These photographs, Frank Strange's most powerful evidence for Valiant Thor, are most definitely not of an alien named Valiant Thor. Even if they were, it would simply raise more questions. Valiant Thor is supposed to be an immortal, ageless being. If Valiant Thor truly wanted Frank to show people these pictures as proof of his existence, why wouldn't Valiant Thor have more pictures taken of him in the decades that followed? Why would Valiant Thor leave his only true follower with a few out-of-date photos from the 1950s? I don't believe he would. So we've seen how Frank lied multiple times in the story of Valiant Thor, but the worst part is that these aren't even original lies. We mentioned in the first episode that the story of Valiant Thor bears striking resemblance to the 1951 film The Day the Earth Stood Still and the 1954 film Stranger from Venus. The similarities are obvious in the names alone. Both Stranger from Venus and Stranger at the Pentagon are about aliens from Venus. One alien comes to guide the American government away from nuclear destruction. The other comes to guide the British government away from nuclear destruction. 
Both also claim nuclear destruction of the Earth would lead to the orbital destruction of all life in the solar system. While the plot of Valiant Thor is stolen almost directly from The Stranger from Venus, the name Valiant Thor is most likely also stolen. Thomas Brisson, a blogger and independent researcher looking into Valiant Thor, came across a science fiction comic called Space Adventures, in which a short story titled Heritage was printed. Heritage is a story about a robot living on Earth long after humans have gone extinct. This robot's name was Val Tor. Frank Strangis was a science fiction buff and a rabid fan of alien stories. He likely had a subscription to Space Adventures, and he likely read Heritage sometime after it was published. This is purely speculation, but it seems entirely possible that he could have read the name Val Tor and simply added an H in reference to the famous, and some would say, Valiant Thor of Norse mythology. We may never know how Frank Stranges came up with the name Valiant Thor, but in the end, it doesn't really matter. What matters is that Frank lied, and he lied a lot. As his claims about Valiant Thor were false, the claims of his thousands of followers must also be false. Given that Frank Strangis was a proven liar, and given the many inconsistencies within the story itself, we rate this story a zero out of 10 for believability. After all that, I have to say, I'm a little disappointed. A large part of me wishes that Valiant Thor had actually existed, if only so he could help make the world a better place. Perhaps this means that the true wisdom of Valiant Thor lies in his message and not in his existence. He came to help the world by teaching us to help ourselves. Thanks for listening to Extraterrestrial. We'll be back next Tuesday. You can listen to Extraterrestrial and all of ParCast's other podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, CastBox, TuneIn, or your favorite podcast directory. Several of you have asked how to help us. If you enjoy the show, the best way to help is to leave a five-star review. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll see you next time. Until then, keep your eyes on the sky. Extraterrestrial was created by Max Cutler. It's a production of Cutler Media and part of the ParCast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Paul Mahler. Additional production assistance by Maggie Admire and Carly Madden. Extraterrestrial is written by Giles Hofseth and stars Bill Thomas and Tim Johnson. 